The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Carefully but quickly writing his letter to young Timothy, the Apostle Paul shifts this letter from reminding Timothy of his calling. Timothy, you're called. And then imploring him to accept his calling in spite of the pressures that he may be facing to remember to stay focused, to keep the main thing the main thing. As he writes, Paul remembers this may be the last communication that he has with Timothy. So he wants to make sure that he only addresses the things that really matter. There are so many things that Paul wants to say and he wants to address because this is a letter to his spiritual son. This could be it. And he needs to make sure that Timothy has the knowledge that he needs to continue on in Paul's absence. But, but he's aware that every single approaching footstep that he hears could be the guard coming to lead him out of his jail cell to the executioner. So Paul has to use the time that he has left very wisely and sift through all of his emotions. And he has to write only what really matters so Timothy will stay focused. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul writes, Remind them of these things. He's talking to the, Timothy to how to instruct his congregation. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearer. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hamanius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Here Paul is writing to Timothy. He's wanting him to stay focused. And the first piece he's wanting him to understand, focusing on what's most important, is focus on the fact that God is holy. I want us to look at a portion of this Scripture here that we may have just glazed over out of, out of familiarity or just because we were, we were reading, looking for something else, and we may have missed this. And I want us to slow down and go back. Let's go back to verse 14 and let's catch something. And maybe it would be wise for you to underline this in your Bible. Verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God. Think about those words. Before God. It may read different based on your translation, but he says, remind them of these things and charge them before God. In other words, this is not a suggestion from Paul. It's not like something that he's just saying, oh, if, if, if you want to talk about this and if these people kind of get it, and if they think it's a big enough deal, well, then give them some life hacks. Give them some suggestions. No, he said, command this before God. This is not a suggestion from Paul, but this is a commandment before God. And folks, sometimes we forget something that we need to be reminded of this morning. We forget that God is holy. 
We forget that it is only by His grace that we can even read and speak the words of a holy God without being completely vanquished and vaporized. Think about what we just did. We just sang songs to a holy and perfect God who is righteous, who is perfect in every way. He allows me to stand up here and speak from this book that was inspired by His Spirit and somehow I survived that event. Because if you knew me, you would be like, yeah, I don't know if He could make it. But somehow I survive it, and it's only because of the goodness and the grace of God. But I should never forget the holiness of God. We should never take for granted the very presence of the Lord. God is like a fire. The Bible says He's like a consuming fire. And there's a lot of good things that a fire can do for us. We can be warmed by a fire. I'm sure some of you are going to cook on a fire this weekend. You've got plans. A fire can create energy that we can redistribute in different ways and we're grateful for it, but a fire can also burn us. There's a part of the fire that's also dangerous if we don't respect it, if we don't take it seriously. The Bible says in Proverbs 9 and 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Paul is saying, listen, this is not just me suggesting here, Tim. This is me not just saying, here's some advice to give your congregation, and maybe they'll do it, maybe they won't. He said, no, charge them before God. The holiness and the purity of God. It is not just a blessing to freely read and speak these words because we live in a free country. It is a blessing to freely read and speak these words of God because after we do it, we're still alive. Because we forget the holiness of God. We get way too casual with God. We're way too comfortable with God. We get way too casual with missing the fact that, yes, He's our Father, and yes, He loves us, and, and, and yes, we are friends of God, and yes, we can approach His throne room to obtain mercy in our time of need, and yes, His mercies are new every morning, but He is also the God who speaks and life is created. He just speaks and everything is created. That's the God that we talk to, and we should not go to Him in a way that we're just treating him so casually. There is a holiness and a reverence that we need to return to and awe of who God is. We're so saturated in our culture because of our freedoms with so uh, many Christian objects and Christian entertainment options and, and Christian stores and Christian paraphernalia. And those things are all good. I'm not saying they're bad. But sometimes we get way too casual and we forget who it is we're serving here. We get who it is that we're talking about. And we forget the weight of who God is. And, and Paul is saying, Timothy, tell him this is from God, man. This is weighty. This is serious. This is not us messing around. You see, the people in Ephesus, they were twisting the words of Jesus. How dare they twist the words of Jesus? And they were making Scripture to serve their lifestyle. They wanted Scripture to serve their beliefs. Who do we think we are to make God's Word serve our agenda? We must stay focused on the holiness of God. He says this, be holy as I am holy. We need to get reminded 
that we get to do this, folks. We get to do this. We get to show up here. We get to worship. We get to partake in the, this fellowship we call church. We get to open up the Word of God and read it. We get to pray and talk to the Creator of everything. We get to do this. And the moment we lose sight of that, we lose the seriousness of who God is. And when we lose the seriousness of who God is, we lose the fear of the Lord. And then we're, we make dumb decisions because the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, Scripture says. And Paul's saying, focus on this, man. Don't take this lightly. He says, as a matter of fact, you make sure that you keep studying the Scripture because you need to know how to handle the Scripture so you're not ashamed of it, so you can boldly proclaim what God has told you to say, the, the stuff that everybody likes to hear and everybody high-fives the preacher on the way out of church and the stuff that people are like, I don't even want to look at the preacher because I don't even want to read that stuff. I don't want to deal with those difficult things. No. He says, you need to not be ashamed of any piece of it because it's who God is. And you're not doing this for men's approval. You're doing this for God. You know, I, I, we were talking to the worship team before we came out to worship today and saying, you know what, guys? It, it, this is all for Him. It literally is all for Him. There's a sign backstage that says it's not about you. So as you walk out here on the stage, you will be reminded once more that this is not about you. It's about Him, and we can't lose sight of that. It's because of the grace of God we get to open the Bible, and we need to take it more seriously. Why would we not be just compelled when we read His words? Why would we not be drawn to want to know Him more when He invites us in? It's because, honestly, we make it about us too much. We think the Bible's here to serve us. We think the church is here to serve us. We think that it's all about us. We think that God is here just for us. No, we got this thing backwards. It's not about us. It's about Him. Jesus invites us to come and die to ourselves. That's the invitation. It's not just less of me and more of you. No, it's none of me and all of you. As if somehow we're minimizing ourselves. No, He didn't say minimize yourself for me. He said die. Die to yourself. Completely sell out. The Apostle Paul also wrote the same uh, type of, of, of theme to the church in Rome, where in chapter 12 and verse 1, he said, it's by the mercies of God that you should willingly be able to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a holy and acceptable sacrifice. This is your reasonable act of worship, it says. Paul wrote, this makes sense. This is a fair exchange in light of the mercies of God. We got to take this seriously. And Paul's saying, man, focus on the holiness of God. The next thing I believe that Paul was sharing with Timothy that is relevant to our lives today is to focus on the truth. Because he did say, be diligent. Be a faithful worker. Faithfully handle the Scripture. Be a type of person who understands God's Word so you can discern truth from a distortion of truth. Because how many of you know there are distortions of truth that exist in our world? There are many voices in the wind all right, there's many voices out there, and there's a lot of different things and people that are trying to pull you this way, pull you that way. He said, no, 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 focus on the truth. It's your responsibility, Timothy, to be that type of worker that's unashamed, that can rightly divide the word of truth. I heard a pastor say uh, uh, something in this vein about kind of the same topic where he was giving an illustration that I'm just straight up going to steal because it was good. 
he was talking about this children's movie, and maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. It's the movie Madagascar. How many of you guys have seen the movie Madagascar? He was given this illustration about the movie Madagascar, and he was talking about all these animals in the New York City Zoo, and these animals were all friends because in cartoons, you know, sometimes animals can be cool with each other that are natural, you know, predators. And these animals all live in the New York City Zoo, and the movie opens up with a zebra, and he's running on a treadmill in his cage, but he's focused on a picture of the Serengeti, and he's running, and he's imagining being surrounded by other zebras, and then reality sets in where he's really just running on a treadmill looking at a picture. And then he goes to his friends and he tells them, he tells the lion and who, who gets fed the, the prime cut of steak daily, you know, after he roars for the crowds and they all cheer him and applaud him, and then he shares with the hippo who is getting a manicure and a pedicure because that's what hippos like. And he also, you know, shares with his other friend, the giraffe, who's a bit of a hypochondriac, who is loving the fact that every one of his little needs and, and wimps and, and, and little quips, they all get just taken care of by the pristine medical staff there at the zoo. And they're living life comfortably. They got everything they need. And the zebra's going, I want more. And the zebra says, this is not where we were supposed to be. This is not what we were meant for. And so through a series of events, and with the help of some penguins, they end up finding their way back to Madagascar in Africa, and they don't know what to do. These animals have been caged pretty much their whole lives. They've been pampered to. They, they, they were thrown the meat. They were given everything that they needed, and, and, and now they're out in the wild where they were created to be, and they don't know how to function. And, and this minister I was listening to said this. He said, my fear is, is that if the church doesn't teach and equip the saints how to grow on their own beyond just Sunday morning and to be able to teach their families and teach their children the Scriptures and invest in their children the Scriptures, then we're, we just want to stay in our cage. And when we're thrown out in the wild, we're not going to know how to survive. Because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are places in the world you and I live in that the gospel is not welcome that you can be killed for even possessing one page from this holy book. That is in our day, in our time, that that's going on right now. You and I, we go to these different cages, you know, we, we have our children's ministry, we have our youth ministry, we have our college ministry, men's, women's, men's, men's and women's ministry, we have weekend services, and all these things are good. And, and the problem is not the fact that we're not getting good meat. The problem is, is that we don't know how to feed ourselves outside of what's handed to us. And then if we ever get in a situation where our cages are outlawed, where our churches become illegal, will we be able to survive? Or will we be like those animals and we won't have a clue what to do? Folks, we were not just created to come and gather once a week and sing songs to God and to open up His Word and take some good notes and listen to Christian radio. We were created for more than that. we got to get off of the treadmill looking at the picture and get out to where we're supposed to be, but it's going to take some people who are willing to grow and learn some things to be able to equip themselves and equip their families and not just rely on someone else. 
Because if we just say, oh, I need better quality meat, we need to make the meat better. No, it's not the meat that needs to be better. It's that we need to learn how to feed ourselves. And here, Paul was telling Timothy, man, there's people twisting scriptures. And there are so many people twisting scriptures today. I just watched a video that was sent to me by someone that knew that this would get my blood boiling. And the video they sent me was of someone teaching about the Holy Spirit. And this lady was teaching about how God showed her that the Holy Spirit was like the genie from Aladdin, and that he was blue, and he was silly and sneaky. And I wanted to jump through the screen and say, stop it! That's so stupid! The Holy Spirit is not the genie from Aladdin! Where do people get off? How, how, how do people say stuff like that? This is our holy God you're talking about. Not some silly cartoon character. People say all kinds of stuff, and there were thousands of people listening to this lady talk, clapping and laughing and probably taking notes and hoping they see a blue genie Holy Spirit. That's messed up. We got to learn how to self-feed so we don't get caught up in the hype of bad doctrine. We got to know how to discern what's right from what is error. And it's not just bringing it to the pastor or shooting the pastor an email. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to be able to be able to divide the word to know what is truth, what is error, what someone is spinning, even if they have a book that is sitting number one on the New York bestseller list. Guess what? The New York Times bestsellers list is not the Holy Ghost. It just means that person made a lot of money and said a lot of things that somebody wanted to read. So don't go look at somebody's book that's on the top ten and go, oh, that must be good doctrine. It could be heresy. It could be blue genie doctrine. What is wrong with us that we can, can say stuff like that and people buy that stuff? Come on. Focus on the truth, he says. It's so important. Timothy was sharing this message from Paul and saying, focused on the main things, and he was sharing it with people who didn't have a library. There was no local library you would go to. You didn't go home and open up all of your books that you could do all this great study on. There was no internet. I know, some of you are like, for real? Like they didn't have internet back then? Yeah. They didn't have internet back then. They didn't have like all these free commentaries. You and I can find anything we want to find about just about anything with the click of a button. And these people were more literate than we are in our day and age, it seems. Because they were passionate about the Lord. They were seeking God. They were focusing on what really mattered. They weren't getting caught up in divisiveness. And that's why Paul, he was trying to tell Timothy, man, don't get caught up in these arguments with these people. Don't mess with these blue genie people. <laughs> don't sit there and spend your time trying to argue with them. Because guess what? If you just argue with them, you're both going to walk away more prideful and self-righteous than when you started. He said, so instead, you, Timothy, your responsibility in this deal is to focus on the truth. Focus on the holiness of God, to focus on the truth the priority of God must rise above every other desire and priority that we have in this life because there is no such thing as casually following Jesus. There is no such thing as casually following Jesus. When people tried to make following Jesus convenient for them, he told them to stay home. 
This is hard, man. This is really hard. Over in Luke chapter 9, this is like no fun right here. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. There are people all the time making big commitments to Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, you're doing all these miracles. This is awesome. I want to follow you. You're so great. You're so awesome. I want to worship you. I want to leave everything and follow you. Luke 9 and verse 57, as Jesus and his disciples were along the road, somebody said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What? <laughs> Jesus said, you want to come follow me? I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight, Jack. <laughs> you still want to come? I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're going to have a tent. Maybe we're just going to sleep on the ground. Maybe somebody will take us in. I don't know. You want to follow me? It's not because of some prestige or some kind of accolade that you're going to get. You really want to come? Oh, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. I don't know where I'm sleeping. Like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> like, there's lots of people following you. You're pretty popular. You've got a nice house, right? Jesus said, I don't know where I'm sleeping. Next, verse 59, to another. He looked at them, and Jesus points to them. He commands them. He says, hey, follow me. But this person said, Lord, let me go first before I follow you. Let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Oh, what? Verse 61, another said, I'll follow you, but first let me go say farewell to those at my house. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That is hard stuff. That's tough, man. I don't like reading it any more than you like hearing it because it's hard. But he's trying to say, take me seriously. There is no one foot in, one foot out. We think there is. That's why we do it. And we fool ourselves because we think, oh, I can, I can follow Christ and still do all these other things too. And we think that's the way it works. And we convince ourselves of that in our minds. But when you look at the way Jesus responded to people who wanted to do that, he said, uh-uh. That's not how it works. That's how we want it to work because we're selfish and we want it to be about us and we make it about us. But if we die to ourselves and we truly live for him, then we make it about him and not ourselves. But we got to focus on his holiness. We have to focus on the truth and we have to continue to grow in Christ-likeness and we have to focus on our character. 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's keep reading, verse 19. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Verse 22, but so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, you know that they just breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patient, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. 
Paul's saying, man, focus on the holiness of God. Focus on the truth. Rightly divide it and focus on your character. Make sure that you're a man of character, that you're a leader worth following. Our character and purity matters to God. It does. It matters to God. If we want to be used by God, we must grow in character and holiness and moral purity before God. When we take seriously the fact that God has called us, we must grow in character. We can't not grow in character if we take the Lord seriously. I mean, if we're really taking Him seriously, there's no way that our character can remain the same. It just can't. That's not how it works. Oh, yeah, I'm taking God real seriously. I just, I just don't want to change anything right now. That's not how it works. Man, I'll tell you what. God calls you to more and more layers of you peeling away of your selfishness when He shows it to you. And when you see it, you got to do something about it. Because if you ignore it, you'll get calloused over to it in your heart. you got to stay tender before the Lord. you got to stay tender before the Lord because God wants to speak to you and God wants to grip us right where we're at and He wants to show us things in us, not just for our good, but more importantly for His glory. To where he says, yeah, it's time to change this. You know you need to change. You've got to focus on your character. You can't have one foot in, one foot out. Timothy, this isn't, this isn't how this works, man. You're called. You're set apart. You're supposed to be a peculiar people. You need to focus on continuing to grow your character. Not how much you can be like the world to try to win the world, but how much you can be like Christ so that Christ in you begins to show them their need for Christ and it leads them to repentance and it leads them to heart change and life change. Not how accepted you can be because of your compromise, but rather how unashamedly that you follow Jesus. How you've died to self see, we're representatives of Christ in the earth, and that is a big deal. That's a big deal. Again, we take that way too lightly, but it's a big deal. In our culture, it's become socially acceptable, socially acceptable to view pornography, to dress provocatively. It's become okay for people to have premarital sex to try each other out before the marriage vow. It's okay to cheat on our taxes. It's okay to lie to other people or tell, you know, half-truths, white lies, you know, like if there is such a thing as we tell ourselves there is, to gossip. We think these things are okay because we just blow it away by going, up. Ah, everybody does it. And because everybody does it, we somehow think God's like, oh, okay, well, thanks. I mean, since everybody does it, that's cool. But it's not, because God has called us to a higher standard. He's called us to be different from the world. He's called us to live separately from what the world deems acceptable because we're called to be holy because we serve a holy God. And if we're not growing in character, are we really following Jesus? If we're not growing in character, are we, are we really following Jesus? Man, I stayed up with my wife two nights ago confessing to her things that God had showed me about my attitude and about the use of my words and, and my tones and just things that I was embarrassed and ashamed of. And I said, honey, I have to tell you these things because God's showing me these things. And, and I'm sorry, I know you're tired and I know you want to go to bed, but, but I've got to tell you, this is, this is what God has showed me about the, the status of my heart 
towards you know, certain people or certain individuals, and, and, and this is where I've allowed myself to get, and I just got to tell you this, and she was like, oh my goodness. And she woke up the next morning. <laughs> oh, this is rich. I thought it was over because I thought all I had to do was share. I thought that's what God wanted me to do was just share with her. Now I'm good because that was kind of like my repentance and now I'm humbled, I'm tender again and I'm going to watch my attitude around certain people and things like that. And my wife told me, she said, you know that person that you were talking to me about last night? I said, yeah. And she said, God told me this morning, she said, while you were still asleep and I was awake, she said, God told me this morning to tell Derek when he gets up that how you view that person, that person is alone, that person is wounded, that person has got sin in their life, that person has had all these things happen, and you know, I know that there's things that frustrate you, but God wants you to know that the condition that that person is in and how you see them, you're in the same condition, you just don't see it. It's like, man, that's why you always wake up first. And she told me, she said, and, and she said, and you need to start looking at that person the way Christ looks at you. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that. Because it's true. We forget. We forget so quickly. Oh my goodness, we forget. If it weren't for Christ, I mean, he said, listen, when it comes to dealing with other people, the Apostle Paul said, instead of you arguing with these people, trying to prove yourself right, he said, instead, why don't you be patient with them? Why don't you be gentle with them? And why don't you speak the truth to them in a way that's gentle because maybe, just maybe, God will grant them repentance just like he's granted it to you. (laughs) Okay, I get it. I'm sorry, Lord. (laughs) Instead of trying to get in a wrestling match of who's right, instead be gentle, be patient with those you disagree with so that God may, maybe will grant them repentance just like he has you. Following Jesus comes with a cost, man. Following Jesus comes with a sacrifice. And if we're not growing in character, are we really following Him? Or are we just playing church? Are we taking this thing seriously? Or what are we doing? Are we really fearing the Lord? Are we really focusing on His holiness, focusing on His truth and understanding His truth, not just for ourselves, but so we can teach it to our families, teach it to our children, teach it to our grandchildren? So we can impart and live out that truth and focus on developing our our character and becoming more Christ-like so the world sees Jesus in us? Your decisions and your life choices matter to God. Are we taking Him seriously? And what, what are we really sacrificing for Jesus? What are we really sacrificing for Jesus? We think it's a big deal if we miss a Packer game and come to church. Like we've made some huge sacrifice. God does not care about football. God does not care about all of those things that we make gods. God cares about His glory. Amen, somebody? And when we focus on the goodness of God, what are we really sacrificing for the Lord? At the end of the day, what are we really sacrificing? In other words, what are we giving up for the Lord that makes us uncomfortable? It's easy to give up things that we're, you know, pretty comfortable giving up. I mean, if you ask me to give up broccoli, hey, I got gotcha. you. 
I will sacrifice broccoli for you, Jesus. If you want me to sacrifice kale, I will gladly sacrifice kale for you, Jesus, in, 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 you know, in exchange for you know, pizza and ice cream. It's easy to sacrifice the things you kind of want to sacrifice anyways, and you just kind of hope God tells you you don't have to do those things. But what about the stuff that's hard? Because if it's not hard, if it's not a challenge, is it really even a sacrifice? Now, I know that's no fun, and I know that's not maybe what we all want to hear, but if it's not challenging us, it's not really a sacrifice because a sacrifice means we should have to be stretched out, something's laid out, something has to die. And your decisions and your life choices matter to God. He wants us to focus on His holiness, focus on the truth, focus on character, and He wants us to focus on the main thing, to focus on the gospel, to stay close to the truth and not get caught up in trying to prove ourselves to be right, to not go running through the office tomorrow screaming, you're all going to hell! That's not what He said. He said, no, don't do that. He said, no. He said, be gentle with, with them with those that don't yet know, who haven't been exposed to the truth. Be gentle with them. Be patient with them. Be a person of character. Be a person who does speak truth, but does it in love. And that you keep the main thing the main thing. Don't shy away from standing for the truth, but be gentle and patient with those who are not living the truth. Pray and stay humble in your pursuit of truth and your pursuit of growing, because pride can easily set in when you start growing. Crazy how that works. It's like all of a sudden you start growing. Oh, man, I'm really spending a lot of time praying. I'm really doing a lot of really great things for the Lord. I'm doing a lot of really great things for the Lord. And the next thing you know, all of your good efforts become all about you, and it becomes a pride thing. And even your good pursuit can become all about you. we got to be careful, man. Guard our heart against pride. Pride can easily set in. And we have to remember daily that if it weren't for the grace of God granting us repentance, that we might be caught in the very snare of the enemy and still blind to the truth. So be patient, be gentle, be humble, be truthful. Focus on the holiness of God and take Him seriously. Focus on the truth and grow in God's Word beyond Sunday. Focus on your character and moral purity because you're called to uphold a higher standard because you represent Christ in the earth and there is a cost and there is a sacrifice that comes with following Jesus. Focus on keeping the main thing the main thing. Don't get caught up in divisions and arguments with other people. It doesn't help. Don't go, oh yeah, I'm going to take this apologetics class or do this apologetics devotional and go argue with my atheist co-worker. It's foolishness. Yeah, speak the truth. Do it in love. But be gentle. Be patient. Be gentle and be patient and love those people. Yeah, speak the truth to them. But do it in a way that's going to honor God. Focus on your own need for the gospel. <laughs> Focus on your own need for the gospel and thank God that he has given you eyes to see your need for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given me eyes to see my need. Thank you that I see my need. Lord, help me to have a heart of compassion for those who don't see their need for you. And instead of allowing that to, to make pride set up in your heart, let it drive you to compassion for other people who don't see their need for Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you have shown me. Thank you that you've, you, you, you've led me to a place of repentance and turning away from my sin. Help me, 
Help me to love those and be gentle and patient and truthful and share your gospel with those who haven't yet seen it. Thank God that you've been given clarity to see your need for the gift of free grace. Pray for those who don't yet see it and keep pursuing God and sharing his truth and love. Just like Timothy, God is calling us to stay focused, to take him seriously and grow. This whole journey, folks, is about growth. So I want to ask you this morning, what's your next step? What's your next step? I mean, we've been talking about this. You've been listening. You've been paying attention. The Holy Spirit's been working in you. You've been taking notes. You've been thinking about scenarios. You've been thinking about people. You've been thinking about a situation at home or a situation at work or something God's calling you to do or something He's wanting you to give up and, and, and He wants you to sacrifice. You've been thinking about this this whole time. That's the Holy Spirit working through His Word to bring about a change for your good and most importantly, His glory. So what is the next step for you? What are you going to do next? Is it an acceptance and a submission to say yes to an opportunity? Is it more patience with others around you and prayer for a heart of love and compassion for them? Maybe you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and maybe today is the day that you make that decision. I want to ask our prayer team if you guys will go ahead and come up and just help us pray this morning as we worship God, as we just make a declaration that, yeah, we've, we've decided to follow you, Lord. We're not turning back. We're giving you everything because you're worth it. Because we have found someone worth following that's worth abandoning everything. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.